Hey, thanks for joining us, everyone, again on the Parents Who Fight podcast. Thanks for being with us. We want to introduce ourselves. Uh, my name's Jesse, and I'm with my wife, Sarah. Hello. Jesse and Sarah Segan, that's us. And uh, if you don't know much about us, you can also check us out at our website, parentswhofight.com. We also want to thank everyone who listened to our first podcast for us. gave us so much great encouragement and feedback and help with that. And we always want to get uh, feedback to help us improve and make these podcasts valuable uh, to all that listen to them. This week, we wanted to uh, start out just sharing some things in the news uh, and online regarding online safety issues. So, Sarah... Go ahead. Okay. So, we had a fairly eventful news week. A lot of it's bad, um, as such is online safety life, I guess. But we just thought we'd hit a couple of these stories. I've pared it down to just a few. Um, So, a couple weeks ago, in the city of Shawano, Wisconsin, they passed an ordinance to fine parents when their children bully someone. Yes, that's fine, as in financially fine them. Um, if police, Ouch. <laughs> yeah. If police determine a child is bullying, that parent, that family will receive a warning. If the child continues, the parents are fined $366 for the next offense. And if the child offends again within the course of the year, the parents will be, then be fined an additional $681. Man, so that is kids that's could good. Be mowing, that's strong. Could be mowing some lawns. I think it's a good idea, Definitely. honestly, because really, as a parent, you have to be involved in your child's life in order to help them know how to be, uh, how to behave online. Yeah, it's so, a it's a way to call parents back to responsibility. We're losing a lot of that these days. Yeah, call parents back to responsibility for their kids, and and it, it unites that family to have that goal of. Behaving properly and treating other people right. Yeah, just giving them respect, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's some accountability there. So that I think that's actually kind of a positive story. Um, In Memphis, Tennessee, this week, uh, some alarming news. A man was arrested and accused of watching child pornography at a local McDonald's. So this brings up the growing problem and concern that people have about public Wi-Fi. A lot of places offer it. And actually, there's been an effort by the organization Enough is Enough to get two of America's biggest corporations, Starbucks and McDonald's, to actually filter their public Wi-Fi so that these restaurants can remain family-friendly. And maybe that seems preposterous to you, but believe it or not, it's actually already happened in the UK. So it's completely doable. And if you want to sign the petition that Enough is Enough has created to uh, create some porn-free Wi-Fi uh, policies, you can simply go to pornfreewifi.com. Um, a tragic story to share out of Warrington, Missouri. Probably a lot of you have heard about this through various um, news outlets, CNN and Washington Post and different uh, news outlets have shared this already, but tragically, a 14-year-old girl in Warrington, Missouri, Destiny Gleason, took her own life last week after months of bullying, both at school and online. Um, we understand it was her first school year in a new town and at a new school, and we don't know all the details about 
the conflicts that existed between her and her classmates. But we do know that at some point, someone put her name across a, a photo of a just a random person's private parts, and that was spread around the school. So we know that that was a contributing factor. And um, as we're going to talk about later in the show today, that kind of stuff actually happens a lot. And so that's why it is so important for us to know what our kids are looking at online, who they're talking to, what other kids are saying about them. And the earlier you can get involved, then you can help things from spiraling out of control. So Yes, definitely. And it's these kind of stories that just deeply sadden me. They frustrate me because this girl was somehow misled or, or deceived into finding her identity in what people say about her or what people do online, social media, and however else they were bullying her. That's just so sad to hear of a beautiful young life being snuffed out like that for some reason she took her own life. Well, I think a the big concern for me, just being a woman, is thinking of like, you know, the repercussions of you've when you're 14, you feel like your school is your world. Yeah. And so, if everyone at the school thinks that something about you, it feels like this will never go away. And in some cases, you know, stuff is permanent. Once it's online, just forget about it. But you know, she didn't even have the opportunity to see justice met out and um, and learn how to rebuild her life and her self-esteem. I think there was probably other things happening, too. I don't think that was the only thing. But um, the news story that I had read had stated that she was about ready to go through some sort of a therapy or a counseling. Right. Um, so she didn't even get that far to learn how to be able to cope with the negative emotions. But if your whole school is, you know, talking about you online, it is a, to a 14-year-old girl, it seems like the world is caving in. Right, and that's the difference in the times we're living in now for our kids versus the times we were living in. I remember being, one particular school year, being picked on a lot. When you go home at that time, then you can get away from it. Yeah, you could escape it. I could do something to take my mind off it, right. play music, play my drums, whatever, and there's a break from it, and it's not just constantly chasing you down. When now, uh, if you're just trying to get on social media after you get home to get away from it, it's still there. Then right. and people are still yeah. chasing you down. School just bleeds. All this drama going on at school just bleeds into your whole life. Right. And the school so dra- or the drama pressure. at home and what's happening after school hours then bleeds into school. I mean, there's just right. no separation right. anymore. Right. But give it's us horrible. some some good news, so, honey. There is a couple things that we yeah, want to on talk a good, about. On a good news uh, side, Covenant Eyes. Uh, which is an online filtering, monitoring, and accountability service, a great service, uh, just released an ebook called Parenting the Internet Generation, and it has lots of great information in it. It's written from a Christian perspective, so it's, it has plenty of scriptural support to help parents know how to, to guide their children when it comes to sex, relationships, etc. Um, they're, they're very helpful and active in helping parents guard against these kind of things just that story we were just talking about and build in their relationship with their kids uh, the ability to to have those conversations regularly so that 
the kids are, are letting off that steam and getting that support from their parents and from others, from leaders, etc. So it's a great, it's, it's going to be a great book. Yeah, helpful you book. can get it at covenanteyes.com. And I think there's probably some links to it on our various social media feeds. So uh, for our family, um, two big things happened this week uh, that are, are propelling us uh, in this podcast Sarah finished reading uh, this book by Nancy Jo Sales. It's called American Girls. Sarah's going to talk about that today. Also, we purchased and installed, actually Sarah installed it. I'm proud I did. of her. <laughs> I didn't have a lot, as much time as I normally would to be the tech guy. And so uh, I still have to get into the app and check it all out. But she actually inst- purchased and installed the Circle device, which is a Wi-Fi-based content filtering and monitoring system. We're still kind of getting the feel for that. It's You can put an app on the devices that you want to be able to uh, control the circle and, and be able to set the content filtering for different times, different time amounts. Uh, there's a lot to it, so we're mm-hmm. still kind of digging into that and checking it out. We've heard so many great things about it, and we wanted to get it and try it in our home. Yes, which I already, my joke today was I already kind of got called out by Circle because I had set a time limit for myself. Of, uh, on Facebook. On Facebook, on on all social or media. social media. Yeah, yeah, but I exceeded it on Facebook because I was doing some research and reading on there, and so... Um, I can see that this would be extremely helpful if you have children on social media. Our children are not of age yet or of maturity, so they are not on social media. But I can see this would be very helpful. So we'll definitely yeah, we'll, we'll give you give guys a, more info as we get more into it. Yeah, so. we'll have to do a full review on that one coming up in another podcast. Yes. So uh, Sarah is dying to talk about this book, American Girls. It's American Girls Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers by Nancy Jo Sales. It's revelational <laughs> book that it's been to us yeah. this week. She's been sharing the different stories from this. So. Well, it was interesting because I was talking with my son who also finished a book that he'd been working on for a while. and 12-year-old son. Our 12-year-old son. And he was yeah. like, man, I hate it like right after you finish a good book and... Like the next day, you're just when you get a little time, you're like, oh, I can read. Oh, I can't. It's over. (laughs) And I definitely felt that way about this book, even though the ending was not necessarily a hopeful feeling, not to spoil it for you or anything, but um, it had my attention for a solid four to five days, and I was just in it um, constantly. Um, And I. I've been talking to a lot of people and telling a lot of people about it, especially um, my mom friends who have girls and, you know, jokingly saying, you know, you need to read this book before you give your child any sort of internet enabled device because you may change your mind <laughs> after you yeah. read it. But um, it's interesting because the book is written in a very different style than maybe a lot of the books that I am used to reading. So, um, and I actually really liked it. It was written kind of as a report. Um, so the woman who wrote it, Nancy Jo Sales, it's S-A-L-E-S, is actually a reporter. She's a writer for Vanity Fair. And she essentially interviewed um, a couple hundred teenage girls. And she let them tell the story of what their lives are like and what their 
their challenges are. And, and she definitely will, will interject some things and you can tell that she's pointedly interjecting them to bring out, you know, a conclusion that she's seeing, but she doesn't hit you over the head with it. And she doesn't overstate her opinions. Um, it's a completely secular book. So there is really no faith perspective in it whatsoever. Although three of the stories eventually, when I got into like the 300th page, did have some sort of faith perspective. There's like a, a, I think it's a Jew, a Jew, a Christian and a Muslim girls. Um, And not surprisingly, they all had a much healthier perspective on social media and the internet. Than a lot of the other. Yeah. Than a lot of the other other stories. But um, I, the book is written so that each chapter is a different age so your understanding of the problem uh, with these girls progresses throughout the book. So the very first chapter that you read is all 13-year-olds. And then it's 14-year-olds in the next chapter in 15, 16, 17, 18. Which probably progresses in intensity of well, involvement you know, was, on social media. It, or yeah, it was interesting not, because the 13-year-old chapter was actually pretty shocking to me. It's probably the worst. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know. Um, there seemed to be a little bit of like maturity in leveling the, off. Yeah. In the, in the 16 chapter, maybe it was just the, the 16 year olds that she interviewed. I'm not sure. Um, and then 18 and 19, 18 was a little bit alarming. Um, and 19 was, I think some girls really starting to have regrets and they're starting to assess what all this has done to them. Mm-hmm. And so they're I guess drawing some more conclusions. 12 and 13 year olds are just starting to really get super active right. in social media. So it's media like a lot of exposure all at once to some really bad just stuff. Going crazy, just going, yes. going wild with no all boundaries. Of it. No, Maybe by boundaries. 15, 16, their phones had been taken or away their parents, a few times. Yeah, their parents are realizing <laughs> they need to, need sure. to step in here yeah. and uh, actually pay attention to what's going on here. But um, I wanted to read a couple of excerpts that I thought were, I mean, I underlined a ton of stuff in this book, but um, one of the things I thought was very interesting in the chapter on 13 year olds, it was a, a quote from a young girl named Sophia in New Jersey. And one of the things that she said is if the parents that say they trust their daughters to make their own decisions, it says Sophia is doing lots of air quotes while she's talking about this. If they trust their daughters to make their own decisions, they think their kids will think they're cool. But a lot of parents don't get that it's putting a lot of pressure on their children. It's like a lot of pressure to be allowed to make all your own decisions, you know. And we're just kids, and we don't always know what's the right thing to do. And I thought that was really insightful because Mm -hmm. here are kids basically saying, you know, we want guidance. We want covering. And it, it doesn't take more than a couple of really ugly situations online and and as we mentioned with the news story of the precious 14 year old it can get ugly quickly um you know doesn't it doesn't take more than you know one occurrence for a girl or a young man to realize like wow that I didn't realize the potency of this thing that I've just interacted with and I will also say just a little side note um when it comes to social media we have the firm belief that just because 
the app developers, Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and on and on and on say that you, you know, should be 13 and older to they, use them. They're setting the age well, actually, I, think, I don't know. I don't know the exact um, criteria, but I do know that it's it's very similar to the toy safety industry, where there's criteria that you have to meet to be able to fall into a category. So one of the things I know is that if you have an internet um, browser, that you are supposed to be 17 and up. So. There's different criteria mm-hmm. that apps have to meet that right. put them in the 13 plus or 17 plus, and it's clear. And I'll share, I think, one of these um, insights in a few minutes from the book. But it's clear that the app developers want young customers right. because then it builds a customer for life. The more people they get on it, the more clicks, the more money they make, and so it's in their best interest to make the app you know, meet the criteria of a 13 plus app, right? But I think it's important for parents to remember that these apps are not being developed and in most cases not being tested by parents. A lot of the apps are being created by young Ivy League school kids, which there's plenty of stuff about that in this book, about the interesting dynamic of the people who are creating the technology that we're all consuming they they have a very and, yeah. slim demographic which i find i found to be a very interesting piece of the story but they are not concerned about your child's safety right they really are not and in addition to that i find it really unsavory that parents would allow their children to be on social media even before that because right. one thing we say often is don't let your child's first decision on social media be a lie. You're setting a horrible precedent because you are basically saying to them, you don't have to present yourself as you really are. You can almost be like somebody else online. Right. So a lot of parents and a lot of people have allowed their kids to get on social media, get a social media account or more than one uh, before the actual, even the age restrictions that those social media uh, organizations or platforms have put in place, whether it's Facebook and 13 years old, uh, or Instagram mm-hmm. or others, uh, when and some of them uh, really have um, sneaky back alleys where you can get a browser in the help menu and things. They're really supposed to be rated at 17 years old, but we, we're coming from a, a perspective where we're telling our kids, uh, hey, just because they say it's okay at 13 doesn't even we're – we're kind of going the other way where it doesn't mean it's okay to even start right. then. It's at not a their magic age, number. You know, yeah, but at the very least, we're, we're calling uh, – we're, we're kind of saying how important it is to at, at the very least – follow the age restrictions that are already there in right. place they're there for a reason yes those those guidelines are there for a reason it's like for public safety and for safety of those kids a lot of people have missed that in the beginning just kind of the mass uh intro <laughs> like the mass entrance into this whole social media world people just jumped right in and oh it's so cute to have your kid on facebook and or or just so many different reasons or then you really they start to become kind of excuses 
to allow younger and younger and younger kids have access. So we found that's one of the things that cut us kind of started was in our kids' elementary school, when they were both in the same elementary school, there was kids in third and fourth or fourth grade that already had their own phones or uh, iPod Touch or whatever, mm-hmm. a device that had access to the Internet. Well, the kids were, the kids had social media profiles. and social media profiles and, yeah, and some Instagram, of that to whatever. be you know to really just give weight to the conundrum that parents are in. Some of those were divorced family situations. One parent was in favor of it. One parent wasn't. Yeah, and the, the you know the parents are feeling really torn and divided. And I think you know one of the things that we also tell parents is that man, you definitely should not allow your 13-year-old even, to be on any app, the social media app, that you don't know how to use and you don't understand the risks. Right. And there's, I know it's really hard to stay up on everything, but there are inherent risks in just about every social media app, but the ones where you can just search for anything and where people have, you know, just crazy amounts of access to you, um, because of the privacy settings, those right. need to be concerning to you. Anything that's anonymous, anything that's location-based, those things do not belong in the hands of a 13-year-old. Right. And you won't find anybody in the online safety or any police officer who would agree with the excuses because they're the ones who are seeing the, how the drama is affecting kids and how it how it's playing out in predator situations and how it's playing out in fights at school and you know how it's playing out in uh just a lot a lot of abuse that's happening towards children so i don't want to get too far off into that but i did just want to kind of assess or not assess i did just want to kind of make that note about social media and age restrictions because something as parents we have to take seriously um along the lines of what i was saying about how um, the app developers, you know, are just create, they want young customers. This, uh, girl from, let's see, this is in the 16 chapter. So she, and she lives in LA. Her name is Zoe. And what she says is girls, our age live on their phones. We feel like our social lives are in our phones. And as long as we feel that way, people will keep making apps to make us rely on it even more. I thought that was pretty insightful. For a 16-year-old to realize, like, we've been duped, but we don't care. Um, She says that later. She said, yeah, "Yeah, she's talking about, you know, how um, all the girls know that they're addicted to the um, attention and getting as much likes, and and they're comparing themselves, and it's depressing. And she says, uh, this other girl, Gabby, says, we all do it. We don't question it. That would mean, if you questioned it, that would mean you might have to stop, and no one wants to stop. There was a a study that was released this week from Common Sense Media that said 50% of teenagers uh, believe that they are addicted to their mobile devices. That's self-proclaimed addiction. Um, And, you know, addiction is a pretty intense word, and it's a very serious issue, so it's not like we just want to throw it around. But I think it's interesting that these kids are recognizing they can't stop. They're saying it themselves. They're saying themselves, and we'd be very wise to listen. That's why I I do not foresee giving either of our sons something to be addicted to um, in the next few years. They're 9 and 12. With regard to a device. Yeah, I, I just... 
I don't feel comfortable feeding that. They already crave screen time, whether it's Minecraft or we or whatever. They already crave it. I don't need to provide a way for them to get their fix and get hooked. Well, right. You know? And even when we do cross that bridge, we we step over into giving them the responsibility of having their own device of some kind. We're not just going to let them have access to it anytime they want. Uh, that's going to that's gonna be uh, delved out or given out as they prove themselves to be responsible, as we teach them to be uh, healthy, good digital citizens, and to be responsible uh, with their time on that so that they're not you know, becoming addicted and they're not becoming so – that it's consuming so much of their time and their focus. Uh, so they're going to turn their phones in at a certain time. They're going to – uh, we're going to have access to everything yeah. on their devices. Well, and that's not... why that that Circle app is so great because right. not only does it allow you to set times, and they are going to have um, the next phase is going to have Circle Go, so it's actually going to be um, protection and monitoring and everything for, for the, that the phone that as it leaves your Wi-Fi yeah, signal. When the kids at school, or yeah. Wherever right now they are. it's just connecting everything in your home that can. Um, it's monitoring everything in your home that connects to your Wi-Fi. But the phase two is for that that device to be monitored wherever it goes. And, you know, you can you can turn it off during certain times. Um, I, you know, gave my phone a bedtime last night. And when it happened, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm done. And it was great. Um, but then also you can, you have these insights and you can see, you can see what the trends are in your child's usage. You can see, oh, wow, their usage went up this month and oh, how interesting their grades dropped. Yeah. You know, so you're just you're able to give them more accountability and I just I think it's really, really it's more help it too is. and and people think it's or some people in the public and the younger folks that don't have kids want to call it like invasion spying. of privacy, yeah, yeah. spying on your kids, but it's really this is what it requires in parenting right. this generation, the internet generation, to help them cope with the dangers and the risks and to balance it out with real life and real relationships where they know that we need to raise them to still be able to know how to have a decent face-to-face -face conversation or meal, sit down at a meal without looking at a device mm -hmm. or, you know, or looking at a device the whole time. I've seen some videos online uh, recently you know, talk a little bit about how our society has just become so addicted to our phones and our social media and all this stuff that we're forgetting how to have healthy you know, relationships mm -hmm. and putting so much importance on that. So we definitely – this is not about spying on them or, or um, invading their privacy – we're training them up and raising them up to be healthy people yeah. in general. And, and it's interesting because I think even like two years ago, let's say, um, when I first really started getting serious about researching online safety and um, how pornography is impacting the family. And I would say at that time, a lot of um, 
leading voices in the movement were encouraging conversation, not monitoring. And it's been very interesting to see in two years how monitoring has come back into the conversation because I think that there is enough um, anecdotal evidence, meaning yeah. all these stories that we hear, all the news reports that are in my Twitter feed every day. You know, there's enough stuff happening where I think um, people are realizing it doesn't matter whether we like it, the monitoring. It doesn't matter if we think that's the greatest way to parent anymore. That's the safest way to parent. Yeah. And, and you know, it's hilarious. You see kids, you know, writing, you know, you can't go anywhere without seeing kids writing like tricycles with bicycle helmets, right? You know, like, right. are they going to fall off the tricycle and hit their head? I mean, we're truly, so protective of, of little of their bodies and we're not protected of, of their minds. Right. It's like when we get our 14 or 15 year old, I can sit and have a conversation with them uh, as, as long as I want to about how to drive a car safely on the freeway and to from our house to downtown Nashville or whatever. But if he's not had any experience driving or very little experience and he just has a permit, he's 15 years old and you're supposed to drive with a 25-year-old or whatever in the car. But I just let I just have a bunch of conversation with him about it and I just give him the keys and send him down. Go ahead and go downtown, you and, you and your little brother. <laughs> like that, that's right. kind of what we're doing without, you know, when if he has a permit, we should be in the car with him. Mm-hmm. We should know where he's going. And then even as he gets into 16, 17, we still need to know where they're going, what they're doing, how well. And they need to be proving themselves to be able to handle it. Or then we, we need to step in further then and, and help guide them. Right. So it's, it's the same thing. So, and we really adhere to that where if a kid can't handle driving a vehicle and having a license for that, uh, we don't think that that uh, they should necessarily have a smartphone type device all to themselves and their own. It's it's a similar type of responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to get my kids to like make their beds every day, you know, and so like their level of responsibility and character, um, you know, I think that that it's just really wise for us as parents to pay attention to what is happening to young people and and the kids are realizing it this the the students the the teenagers are in as evidenced in this book yeah they're they're realizing realizing it it sometimes before adults are hey we need help yeah this is messing us up yeah (laughs) and i help here i i don't want to end our conversation without talking a little bit about um that i did find it very interesting and I, I felt very validated that throughout the book the author brings out the issue of the consumption of porn and she she not only reports on it very uh, well and very um, objectively really but she makes sure that you when you finish this book you understand what an impact pornography has had on our young people and specifically um, when you get into the the older chapters the 18 and the 19 um, you're seeing how romance is like completely a thing of the past are they are they're already realizing 
how porn has affected them from already being exposed oh, to yes. a much younger age yes. and ha- already having years of now these are exposure girls. right and, these and are girls and so it. their their experience has been that you know it's affected the way the guys interact with them or view them that you know it's like one girl said you know uh, maybe your first text message is like, hey, can I have the chemistry notes? And the next text message from that guy is, hey, can you send some nudes? <laughs> and Jeez. it's like, you know, it's it, the, from the girl's perspective that she interviewed, they're like, every guy is looking at porn. They all expect us to do those things. And nobody even wants to... They, they don't go on dates. I mean, they're like, I've not, no, I'm no, nobody's ever asked me out to a movie, you know. And they're looking at these romantic comedies like from the, the 90s and the early 2000s on Netflix. And they're saying, you know, like, I wish it could still be like this. I wish it was like this. It's not like this anymore. So the reason why that validated me is because I feel like I've been saying that for about five years, that pornography is screwing up our children. And a lot of people in Christian circles, you know, obviously see the spiritual impact of it. Um, And a lot of people in the anti-pornography movement have, you know, touted the, the science behind how it impacts the brain. And I thought it was really, really cool that here is this woman who doesn't live in either of those realms. She's not in the anti-pornography movement. She's not in any religious movement. And she is she's just reporting she's a on secular it and, voice mm-hmm. saying pornography is screwing up this generation. And um, when I got done with this book, my... Um, I cried for like an hour yeah. the the first morning when I finished, and um, I cried. I spent some time in prayer, and I realized that um, even though some of the things that I read about in this book were much worse than I had thought, and I'm kind of like, it's really bad. I mean, I'm not well, like... Yeah, give us, give us some takeaways, uh, like... Because <laughs> I, I I know what you you know you went through with it and what your uh, your kind of general takeaways were, but give give us some of that in the podcast. Here. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, reading through this, I learned a lot about what teenagers. You knew it was bad. I knew it but... was bad, but I, I found out it's actually worse than mm-hmm. I thought, and not to scare anybody, but. I mean, it is a brace yourself for this kind of book, and there are definitely plenty of triggers in this book, so I would not recommend that any parent read it who has struggled with pornography themselves because there is a lot of graphic detail. Um, I also think a takeaway is that the kids are miserable, and they know it. They know that they're miserable. They realize what it's doing to them, and they don't really know how to get themselves out. And I would say the final thing is that this book made me so pumped to be a mom and to have the opportunity to raise my boys in an uncommon way, to raise them in a counterculture way, um, to be gentlemen, to be men who know how to honor and respect women. We're a Christian family, so we're raising them to know who they are in Christ and to not believe the deception and the lies of the world. We're raising them to guard their hearts and their eyes. And I just thought, after I read this book, I thought, man, 
you know, my children are not perfect and I'm sure they're going to make plenty of mistakes between now and the, the altar when they get married. But I am so excited to someday hand them off to a woman knowing that, you know, they're, they've been raised in an uncommon way and that they, here is this, it's like a diamond. You're giving them this valuable, valuable gift. And so I, I, you know, man, I yep. just kissed them, kissed um, their little sweet faces that last night that I was reading it and just cried and just thought, oh my goodness, what, what a beautiful responsibility I have. And I just, I'm so thankful. Yeah. I'm very thankful too, that, uh, both of us are, are on that same page and, and even for myself having, um, lived the way I lived as a young person, as a kid and as a teenager, and even as into my young adult years, struggled with so many things um, that uh, we have the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to uh, raise our kids in that uncommon way. And um, it's it's not easy because we're going against the flow. Yeah. And we feel you. If if you're a parent out there listening to this, you know. And or if you're just kind of getting engaged in this battle and realizing it, then you're starting to know and you're going to know even more that it's not going to be the easy road, but it's going to be so, so worth it to see your kids grow up into, um, your boys grow up into gentlemen and your girls grow up to be uh, fine young ladies that are respectful and, and, and they respect themselves and they don't right. allow... Uh, boys in the that are that are saturated in this sexualized culture and the the whole social media and, and internet uh, culture, they're not going to allow that to disrespect them or to allow it to influence them to disrespect themselves. Right. And, and they're going to know what they're worth. Yeah, they're going to know how boys, how men should treat them. Yes. How young men should treat them. Yeah. So. so. I mean, I would highly recommend this book, um, especially for, like I said, parents. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to actually, uh, I talked to one of our school administrators at my son's public middle school and just asked her, I said, if I give you this book, will you please read it over the summer? It might <clears throat> scare you, but I, I just think it's a, when you read this book, you can't help but advocate for the younger generation. Um, I think youth pastors should read it. I yeah, think it's a reality check. It's a reality check, and it, it broadens your horizon outside of maybe your um, direct sphere mm-hmm. to see what the culture at large is dealing with. So yep. the things that were happening in this book was not part of my experience here in my you know suburban Christian life, but... Um, I do a lot of reading, and so it, none of it shocked me. But I think collectively, put, you put it all together, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, it's shocking." <laughs> and so the so the book again is called "American Girls: Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers" by Nancy Joe Sales. And so, um, if you have any questions or a comment, uh, please uh, please definitely leave that on our blog. Um, at parentswhofight.com or you can email us directly if you'd like uh, to kind of start a private conversation with us at parentswhofight at gmail.com 
just let us know what your challenges and suggestions are. Um, you know, we'd love to hear about what people are going through, um, things about what you've done that have been successful, and any suggestions you have for us, uh, information. We just we want to team up with everybody out there who wants to fight as parents for the safety and health of our kids uh, their whole lives, their spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, their, their life, and uh, partner with other organizations. So thank you again. Uh, for for listening to us and joining with us in this fight. And if you uh, would like to follow us on social media and stay up on some of the latest news stories and developments in protecting our kids online, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Parents Who Fight. So thanks for listening in, and we will catch you later. Catch you later.